Hey, welcome back. Just a reminder, Coast continues tonight, Sunday, September 10th, into Monday morning. In the first half, Natasha Venter is a natural-born psychic and has been described as a bridge between worlds. Using her gifts as an interdimensional guide, animal communicator, and reader of energies in her work to lovingly assist people through grief and other challenging times, she joins guest host Connie Willis to discuss what it means to be an energy seer, keeping your life in the clear. In the second half, Nathaniel Paul Isaac is a writer, researcher, producer, best known as the host and creator of the Penny Royal podcast, having spent over two decades diving deep into the high strangeness that envelops his native Kentucky. He'll delve into the mysterious folklore and history of the Penny Royal region. That's tonight, Sunday, September 10th into Monday morning on Coast to Coast AM with your guest host, Connie Willis. Back to more of my conversation with former Deputy Coroner uh, Donna Frankhart and actor, writer, producer Dan Davies as we discuss the Plainfield Butcher, Ed Gein, right here on Coast to Coast AM. We're back with Dan Davies, actor, writer, producer, and the uh, the man behind Ed Gein, the musical, uh, the movie, a musical. And uh, Donna Frankhart is a former deputy coroner, and she is the author of Ed Gein, the musical, a novel. Uh, Donna and, and Donna and Dan, did you uh, travel to to uh, Plainfield together uh, in in terms of uh, you know researching the book? Yeah, we did. <laughs> Donna. Oh boy. <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah. We went with uh, our friend um Heather Ghost Girl and with a Wendigo Paranormal group, um, we were visiting a gentleman named Byrne who was at one of my screenings and he presented uh came up to Donna and they started talking and he had actually found clothes in a uh a, a twenty two that he unearthed, he's a, uh, a landscaper, earth mover, and they were probably from the 30s and 40s. And the, the person who was working on the land, he said, oh, yeah, you found those. Oh, Ed Gein used to work on this land years ago. Oh. So, yeah, so we went, oh, my gosh. So he invited us out to his, his beautiful home in that area, and uh, we were doing some paranormal EVPs, and it was pretty, pretty freaky. And um, I'll let Donna kind of <laughs> yeah, what, run with it. What did you what did you what did you hear on those EVPs, Donna? Oh boy! Well, first off, <laughs> first off, I um, my background is I have spirit that has uh, attached to me and uh, and followed me home from cases. So anyhow, I was a little nervous about going that day, and I made sure that. We had uh, crystals, and that's my belief. Anyhow, um, Heather and her husband, Greg, they had the equipment like the EVP, the, the ghost box. I think it's spirit box, it's called. And Heather has uh, been, she has followed the Ed Gein um, story for years. And she would always try, they do the haunts is what they'd call them, and they'd try to conjure up Ed, and uh, they always wanted him to say his name, and he never did. Well, that day, Dan, and Dan, you jump in when, you, when you're when you ready. 
um, <laughs> they Heather had some. They're called. Are they divining, divining rods? Divining rods. Divining rods. Yep. Right, divining rods. And so Dan <laughs> was the end of the divining rods. And we, uh, well, not we, I stood off to the side, and Dan was walking over the the area of the property where the clothes were found to see if anything would, uh, you know, we could see there was any energy or activity from spirits. Heather also and Greg had the spirit box, and she asked, uh, she asked Ed if he was there and if he would uh, tell us his name, his last name. And out of the spirit box came the, the we heard, Gein. Because some it's people clear will as day. say Ed Dine. Wow. Clear as day, Gein. Yeah, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> the because, hair on the back of my neck. Oh. oh, yeah. And the divining rods were going crazy when I was holding them. And then I felt this presence in front of me. And then I almost, I had arrhythmia. My heart started beating uh, irregularly and I was having trouble breathing. And I said, holy crap. And I gave them back to Heather and I had to walk away from this area we were at because I was, I felt this. And I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds when it comes to those things, but it, it was very disconcerting to me. And, mm-hmm. and she had been asking for 10 or 15 years, how do you pronounce your last name? How do you, is it because people say Gein? Ed Gein or Ed Gein, and as clear as day, we hear this uh, from the EVP, Gein, and that was freaky as hell. Wow. That was, wow. yeah, that was something. And they even, he even, she even asked the spirits what color was, remember that, Donna, the color of the clothes? Yes. And, yes. and right away, one of the voices comes out and says pink. So, mm-hmm. so Vern calls the guy originally because Vern is colorblind and Hmm. it had no idea what the colors were. And it called this person and said, what were all those other, the clothes, what were they, what color? And he's, the person said pink. So, you know, (laughs) it was pretty freaky. It was freaky. And so then it was like, we had um, a day of Vern was going to take, he was from that area. Right. And so he was going to take us to, a few different places where Ed Gein would have been. Like we also had on his his Ed Gein tour day, um, we were going to the cemetery to where the Gein family was buried. Now, at that point, after what we had experienced on that land, uh, the three of us stayed in the vehicle. That's fine. We had enough. You guys yeah. can get out of your car and go over to the, the uh, headstones, but... Um, yes, that was it was draining, and that's the interesting thing. The next day, I talked to Dan. You had a headache, and Sanaya, yeah. our friend, had a headache, and Vern was not feeling well. I was just really drained, and that's the thing when you when you deal with energy like that, it uh, it does physically it can physically affect you, especially the lower vibrational negative. You know, right. energy doesn't get much lower vibration than an Ed Gein character, I would imagine. No, uh, no, no yeah, that's no. the thing. Yeah, it's yeah, you can't really get any lower. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones and uh, let's say hi to uh, east of the Rockies. Oh, John is in Hartford, Wisconsin. John, welcome to Coast. Good morning. Yes, good morning, gentlemen and lady. I have a question. Good morning. Good morning. I I was 13 at the time in 57 when this all was going around. Mm-hmm. And 
I was under the impression that Ed Gein had a booth at the Wisconsin State Fair and was selling his chili. Is that true? <laughs> so I, I take a little liberty in the film, and I, I go one step further than what my grandfather had told me about this venison chili, that in the film I kind of dramatize it and sensationalize it, that he actually won the Washera County chili cook-off like three years in a row. That's, that's my bad. I don't think that actually happened in real life. But in the film, I, I wrote that in there. Um, but but there could be some sort of a, a chili contest. They're, they're they're so prevalent anyway in Wisconsin, especially. So that that actually could have happened. Oh, let's hope not. Let's hope not. John, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> uh, let's say hi to Debbie, first time caller, and she is trucking in Wisconsin. Debbie, welcome to Coast. Good morning. Debbie, are you there? Debbie, well, let's put her back on hold. Maybe she's uh, at the truck stop getting a coffee or something. We'll uh, check in with Debbie a little bit later. Uh, Ed Gein's, uh, the, the, the Gein house, um, did they raise the property? Is it still standing? So the once he was arrested, it became kind of this macabre uh, tourist site. And someone from Plainfield took a match to it and burnt it down. And the fire department, people just let it burn. Not one, you know, pail of water was thrown on it uh, Mm, because they didn't want it to become some macabre, you know, tourist site. So they burned the house down within, I think it was probably a few weeks after he got arrested. And And when they told Ed that the house had burned down, his reaction was, "Eh, that's just as well. Yeah, he didn't really care. Right, right. Uh, what about the property? The the, the uh, there was some acreage there. Is that uh, what what is what has happened to the the Gein farmstead, if you will? I think all the outbuildings are down. Somebody said that there's an outhouse, though, like uh, an old fashioned, you know, outhouse uh, bathroom that's still back way in the woods. But I think most of the buildings are are not not there anymore. Has anyone, I don't know, done uh, some, any more forensic excavations on the property to see if they could recover if there are any more victims? You know, again, why not? I mean, if, if, if you have seven or eight unsolved cases and they all have the same MO, they all have the same fingerprint, no pun intended, of, of Ed Gein, why wouldn't you, to, you know, try to find just for closure uh, try to find, you know, who actually killed these people. And again, dollars to donuts. It, I'm almost certain it was Ed Gein with those because the geographic, the vicinity, the the mo, just it it smacks of him. But yeah, I yeah, mean, I, I would have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Donna. I'm sorry, Dan. I was going to say I hadn't in my research. I hadn't read anywhere that uh, there had been any more investigating or or digging into research. I think they closed the books on that, didn't they? Yeah, pretty much, you know. And it it was one of those things too, Richard, I think when people, you know, when he said that he was digging up these bodies and bringing them out, they actually did, to make sure that he was telling the truth, they went to a couple of different graves that he said that he had dug the bodies out and they were, they were, he was corrupt. You know, he was telling the truth. 
but but again, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, why would they tell someone? You know, they knock on the door and they'd say, "Hey, uh, Johnsons. Oh, yeah, we got good news and bad news. What's the good news, John? Your grandma, you know, made a great chili. What's oh, that? Dear. Well, you know, <laughs> she was in it. You know, I mean, it's 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 a lose lose situation. Sure, you know, sure. To, to you know, you just wouldn't you know do that. I mean. So it's, yeah, it's just they burned the, the buildings and, yeah, tried to erase it from their history, erase them uh, from their history. Debbie the trucker, I think, is back uh, in uh, the first-time caller in Wisconsin. Debbie, welcome. Debbie, are you there? Debbie in Wisconsin, driving in Wisconsin, are you there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Debbie. You're on the air. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can, Debbie. Can you hear us? Let me pull up some. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Are you there, Debbie? Yes. Hello, can Debbie. you hear me? Okay. Hear yes, me Debbie. We Yes, we can. Go ahead. You're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled up on a ramp. Didn't lose you guys. <laughs> Okay, Hello, yeah, I think you've got some bad reception there, Debbie. Uh, okay. We'll try again a little bit later. Uh, what about the um, where he was institutionalized? I guess in an insane asylum or a mental health facility, mental facility. Is that still standing? Yeah, yeah. So that um, the Mendota Mental Health Institute is still there, and um, and he, again, he was a model you know, I guess, inmate, patient, or whatever, how they would deem that. He did, though, wander off the facility in either late 83 or early 1984. And and again, this is another odd circumstance. One of my best friends was a year older than I was and was going to school at Madison. And he came back to Opaka, and we were out having a couple of beers, and he said, Geez, he said, my, my roommate's got this really freaky story. He was at this bar, and he's looking out the window, and he sees this elderly gentleman, and he's all in blue. And he's kind of, this older guy's kind of lost. So he comes up to him and says, sir, can I help you? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm trying to get my way back to any points up the hill or whatever to the mental health institute. And he said, oh, my God, you, you live there? And he said, yeah. And he goes, what's your name? And he goes, my name is Ed, Ed Dean. Mm. Before you know, cell phones, he runs over to the payphone and calls, you know, to get him home, and and that's kind of we're we're going to take that as the genesis as the first floor to Ed Gein the musical two Ed's big adventure. Um, so <laughs> sensationalize his day out, and 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 the the press the the precept basically is Ed just wants to have one normal day in his life where he doesn't think about exhuming dead bodies or having sex with them or eating them or you know killing people <laughs> he wants to have one good day so so we're kind of taking that true event and then just you know expanding on it for the uh, sequel will this be a musical as well hell to the yeah richard yeah <laughs> <laughs> So he he wasn't out on a day pass, was he? Or did he, is it just minimum security? He just walked out the front door. He he, Donna, you could talk about that too. Yeah, oh. he he did landscaping around, but yeah. And and I had met a, a lady, a very nice lady, who invited me to be 
um, to participate in. She had a book club, and I was the author of the week. And um, her, she was a nurse, former nurse, and her mother was a therapist at uh, the facility when she was a little girl. And Ed Gein was was one of her patients. And apparently, like Dan was saying, he was he was a quiet man, and uh, they didn't have any issues with him. And they would also allow him or have him go to different, like, stores or whatever, shops for errands out in the community. Now, people didn't know that he was, uh, this this killer was out in their community, but um, they trusted him enough to be out picking up things, <laughs> which well, is interesting. I'll say, I'll say. Uh, west of the Rockies, Christine is in Tahunga, California. Christine, welcome to Coast. Hi there. You pronounced that beautifully. Thank you. First try. <laughs> but um, I was calling up. In fact, your um, the woman that answered the phone figured it out. But this was a musical with Johnny Depp, and it was based on Todd Sweeney, I think she said. And did that have anything to do with this movie that you made? So Sweeney Todd, is it takes place, I think, in Victorian England, and about this killer who, again, had a lot of the earmarks that Ed Gein had, cannibal, you know, crazy serial killer. Um, actually, really well done. Um, my, my movie, I think, predates his movie, though, to be honest with you. And not that they <laughs> copied anything that I had done. But, um, yeah, so, so it's not a sacred cow to do a musical, a comedic musical about a serial killer. And, uh, yeah, it's called uh, Sweeney Todd. I remember that, yes. Sweet Street, yep. <laughs> Christine, thank you for the call. Um, so you, are you in production on, on, the, on the sequel, or are you, just, are you uh, shopping the script around? Or? So uh, Will Kaiser, my musical director, and myself are crafting the screenplay for it. And, and Will is the reason why we have this new resurrection of Ed Gein the Musical uh, he had approached me about six months ago and said, people love the film. And I said, let's put it to rest. You know, we haven't you know, done anything about it in 10 years. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's do a theatrical, you know, screenings of it. Let's do a theatrical run. And we did it. It's been super successful. And SRS Cinema uh, picked up the distribution rights to the original film. And it's been going gangbusters. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to put our heads together and craft the uh, Ed Gein the Musical 2, Ed's Big Adventure, and hopefully start filming in 2024. All right. We uh, are approaching the bottom of the hour, so we'll uh, step away for a moment, come back, and uh, get to some more calls as we discuss Ed Gein, the Plainfield Butcher, and Ed Gein the Musical, Donna Frankhart, and Dan Davies are with us. The Doobie Brothers, listen to the music right here on Coast to Coast AM. A few minutes remain with Donna Frankhart, former deputy coroner uh, and author of I've Seen Dead People, and the latest is Ed Gein, the musical, a novel. Dan Davies, actor, writer, producer, uh, and um, the star of Ed Gein, the musical, the movie. Um, that's um, been making the rounds again in theaters, but how else can we screen it, Dan? Um, it's on uh, a lot of different uh, platforms right now, but it's uh, available via Amazon is probably your best bet uh, to just look up Ed Gein the Musical on Amazon. I think SRS Cinema 
also has it on their website that it's on a lot of different platforms uh, right now. And Donna, the book, The Ed Gein, the musical, a novel published by Renegade, which is Dan Davies' uh, publishing uh, company, that's um, available through the Renegade pub- the website or Amazon, where? It, it is available through Amazon, and you can also go on to Renegade Press. And um, right, Dan, Amazon, Renegade. Yep, and- yep, yep. renegadepresspublisher.com, but then also yeah. Amazon is where uh, it's been selling almost exclusively the, uh, the book. Um, through All the, right. They, again, look up Ed Gein, the musical, a novel on Amazon. Okay, uh, wildcard line. John is in Wausau, Wisconsin. John, welcome. Hello, everybody. Several quick comments that will segue to what I believe is a big problem we have in the American culture. I grew up and still live 50 miles from Plainfield. I'm 66 years old. As I was growing up, you'd hear the stories of Ed Gein very rarely, and most older people ignored it completely. We had a similar uh, problem 30 years ago in Wisconsin with a, a deranged individual by the name of Jeffrey Dahmer. So here's my premise that I want to thank Dan and Donna for their transparency and respectful way of presenting the Ed Gein story. Like Ed Gein, Dahmer had many, many warning signs that something was not right, and everybody turned away and avoided the situation, including the Milwaukee Police Department with Dahmer. And the stories go on, as Dan and Donna eloquently shared about Gein, how something was not right. So here's my point. In our society, we do respect other people. We don't want to be... Um, paranoid. But when something is not right with somebody, people, please share it with the authorities uh, anonymously or whatever. There is no reason in the world Ed Dean should have gone on as far as he did. And again, I just want to thank Dan and Donna for wisely bringing this to the forefront of the American public. So future situations like this, hopefully we can avoid them. And thank you all for all you do. Thank you, John. Um, either Dan, Donna, any any thoughts, uh, further comments on John's point? Wow, yes, John, please. thank you. That was nice. Thank you. Um, if I could please just uh, thank you also, John. I do, as a former deputy coroner, I do a lot of content, little videos on different social platforms, and I do stress. I actually did a video rec- or a little uh, clip recently asking people to be aware of their surroundings and if something doesn't seem right to notify someone don't just you know people are so either they don't want to get involved they turn like you said they they don't they look away they look the other way i had cases uh where people passed away and sat and they were in their cars for hours because people don't want to get involved or they just don't notice so um, your point is very valid, and I'm trying to stress that to people as well. Please be aware so, of your surroundings and reach out to someone, reach out to authorities if something just doesn't seem right. He mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer, of course, also from Wisconsin, uh, also a serial killer and a cannibal. Uh, I don't know if he um, if he went to the lengths of uh, Ed Gein and fashioned uh, souvenirs out of the, you know, the remains of his victims. Um, But do you know, Donna, whether he had a similar 
um, a profile as Ed Gein in terms of maybe his his upbringing or any other similarities between Dahmer and Ed Gein? To be perfectly honest with you, I didn't really do much research on Jeff Dahmer other than I did see the uh, film, the movie that was out and was at the last year. And of course, when it happened, the, the bits that I'd read, but it was my understanding that he had a fairly normal upbringing. He, although I do re- remember reading that he would uh, torture animals when he was a when he was a kid. What yeah. provoked him to do that? I don't know. Dan, do you know the the back history of of Dahmer? A little bit. I did a film with a gentleman who actually from Ohio, and he was actually he grew up in. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer grew up in Ohio, then moved to Wisconsin, I think, when he was maybe in his teens or whatever. But they, he lived just a few doors down, and my friend uh, lost their dog. And my friend knew it was Dahmer. He said he was just, you know, again, an odd duck. But then he just, mm-hmm. you know, turned a blind eye to it. And But, but they always say that the ones that um, are cruel to animals, uh, the next step is being cruel to humans. Um, but but Wisconsin, though, very quickly, you know, we, we used to have these T-shirts, Wisconsin, you're among friends. And I think it should be Wisconsin, you're among fiends. So that's that's the new T-shirt, uh, I think. Right. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we all love the dairy state. It's a it's a beautiful state. Uh, but we mentioned, <laughs> oh, no, obviously, we're talking about Ed Gein. We mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, there was another serial killer from Wisconsin, Edward uh, Edwards, who they think may have been involved in the Zodiac killings. Yeah. Um, there was um, another serial killer there by the name of, I think it was uh, Richard Otto, um, yeah. Ambrosio and Alco, um, Walter, Walter Ellis, yeah, uh, Walter also Ellis known as the- Milwaukee, Chuck Spanbauer, yeah. not Chuck Sp- uh, Spanbauer. I don't. Yeah. I forgot what his first name was. Um, and then uh, John, uh, John Wayne Gacy is that his first name? John is it? Uh, he was in Chicago. He was Illinois, wasn't he? Or yeah. no, Gary, Indiana, or was it Gary, Indiana? I think it was Chicago. But a lot Chicago of his yeah. victims were from Kenosha and Racine, Wisconsin. Ah, so okay. He, he crossed the border into the uh, the scary uh, the scary state, not the dairy state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones. And uh, Rand is in Idaho. Rand on the wild card line. Welcome to Coast. Hello, welcome, and uh, greetings to uh, my neighbor. We're up here in the northern part of Idaho, so I'm close to Canada. I'm a teacher, and one of the things I try to impress upon my students is the need in our society at these times for more kindness, more empathy, more understanding to other people. And my question is, do you feel that the genre is a comedy horror help to desensitize us possibly or does it heighten our awareness to these things to help us become more kind more understanding more empathetic to our fellow beings i appreciate the uh respectful way in which you handle the topic matter but i'm curious about like i said about the genre does it desensitize us or does it heighten our awareness to make us better human beings what do you think good question good question Um, that is a good question. I, I think you know, gallows humor is another thing, too, that humans for, for centuries have wrapped their heads around something that's so unspeakable and so traumatic and so uh, macabre that they, they bring in this gallows humor to kind of, I think it's the brain's way of, 
of trying to, to uh, deconstruct it, to suss it out. Um, although, you know, with our film, though, again, it was so important to me to not make light of the situation and to really show people that he was evil. Uh, I'm not trying to, to make any, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm showing him as he is and, and, and warts and all. But I'm also, we're also showcasing the fact that if a parent is going to sexually abuse a kid and the, the, the dad physically and emotionally harangues a kid, you're, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's one of the, the messages that we get um, a lot through the movie. And, and so, I mean, I, I'm not on a preacher's box or anything like that. It is still comedy and it is still entertainment, but at least it has that uh, good part, you know, um, I hope, anyway. <laughs> May I give my opinion, please? Yes, please, Donna. Thank you. Uh, after watching the musical, now, again, uh, my former position as a deputy coroner, I, I take it all quite seriously. And had it been light, lighthearted as in just kind of uh, making light of the fact that people lost their lives and there was disrespect to, to decedents, I would not have been interested in writing a book because um, I believe that people should be treated with dignity and respect. And Ed Gein, Dan, you did not portray him as the, the poor guy. However, you did bring to light uh, the many different emotions and, and how Ed ended up the way he was so that the the viewer is going to see the different sides of Ed not to sympathize, well, maybe somewhat to understand how he ended up the way that he did and not to make light of the fact that he was a depraved killer. But you did it in such a respectful way that I wanted to write this book to pay homage to you, Dan, because I thought it was uh, it's a great piece of work, if that's how you refer to your film. A great, it's a great musical. It's done tastefully and respectfully and not not forgetting that there are families, most of them have probably passed, but it's just done very respectfully. Thank you. And not Thank you, Donna. Me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Donna, do you miss do you miss your work as a deputy coroner? Yes and no. I I felt very honored. I still feel honored that I was able to help the community in some of their darkest hours. However, um, what I experienced and witnessed, uh, the, the, the gore and the, the just scenes that I hope people never experience, it, can be very, it was very draining. And uh, I miss it, but I don't think I could go back to it again doing that. That's do you good. still are you do you still have um even though you're no longer deputy coroner deputy coroner do you still have uh paranormal encounters Oh lord can we talk <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually yes, we can. Um, I'm almost uh, done writing the sequel to my first book and this one is going to be all of, about the uh, paranormal, the afterlife that, uh, yes, I've had, there's been a lot of activity. It's been a real uh, eye-opener. It's been a spiritual path that I've gone down. It's uh, been 
very interesting. So yes, yes, I still do. And are are, are any of the um, the ghosts, I guess, that that come to you, are they um, former cases? Maybe they want to help you, you try and solve how they died. And that's the interesting thing. Every I went through several months where. I, they would actually appear in front of me, the face, and I didn't recognize any of them. And my, if you call them my spiritual advisors, I had asked about that. I said, I don't recognize any of these, these faces that appear before me. And I was told that they don't necessarily uh, appear before you the same way that they were when they were here on earth. I have been told that some of them just uh, they 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 need us they need help to go to the light, or be, they say that I'm a beacon of light and they just they come to me and that's the thing that I was trying to understand and learn. What do I do once they're here? <laughs> because I would freeze; it would scare me. But uh, no, I never recognized not one of them. Hmm. Which is very interesting. Dan, after you uh, went on this investigation in um, in Wisconsin or in Plainfield, Wisconsin, sort of uh, in helping Donna put the, the, the book together, did that open anything up for you in terms of the paranormal? I know you witnessed some interesting things, but as a result, did anything out of the ordinary happen to you? Yeah, it, when we were there in Plainfield and to hear the EVP of Dean and then knowing that the spirit came through the spirit box, whatever said it was, the clothing was pink and could have been a multitude of colors. And then the feeling that I had of just this dread of this entity that was in front of me, you know, but then again, I'm, I'm of two mindsets, you know, I'm, I, you know, I come from kind of a sort of a science background and, but I do believe in angels and God and, and so that there is another realm out there and, you know, and so I can't close the book on it completely, but it was pretty freaky when we were there and to literally hear this voice pronounce his last name as clear as a bell was uh, breathtaking. It was, it was freaky. And the people of Plainfield, are they, uh, are they trying to, I mean, have they moved on from Ed Gein or now that there's renewed interest because of the movie, because of the book, are, are they not embracing it, but are they more open maybe to revisiting and talking about it? Uh, that's a good question. And, you know, it's, again, it's been 66 years since he was arrested and they're getting pretty long in the tooth, the ones that can remember that. It, I always tell people, too, it's the community itself, Plainfield is three, 400 people at most. Back in the 50s, it was maybe 200. Uh, unless they birth a, a, a Major League Baseball player or NFL quarterback or a president, they're always going to be known as the home of that game. And it's just, it's sad, I know, but it's, and an, I know they shouldn't embrace it. You know, they shouldn't have a parade, you know, Ed Gein days and crazy, you know, things like that. But, um, but you know, they still shouldn't shy away from it. It's still part of their history. Again, uh, Ed Gein, the musical, uh, the movie, where can we screen that? So that's, uh, go to Amazon, look up Ed Gein, the musical, the movie. Um, it's also a bunch of platforms, Tubi, I think Freebie, all kinds of ones. Um, and then SRS cinema is probably the the, the best uh best way to go about it amazon and srs cinema and then it's going to be playing in, in some more theaters so throughout the midwest 
And uh, Donna Edgeen, the musical, a novel, uh, Amazon, and from the Renegade uh, Press website. Yes. Yes. All right. Fantastic. Wow. That was uh, unlike anything I've ever done before on, <laughs> on Coast to Coast. Thank you both. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Richard, for having us. Yeah, Richard, thank you. Thank you again. You're awesome. Thank you. My my pleasure. For George Norrie, George Napoli's Alliance, Stephanie Smith, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galanti, Adam Thompson, Donna Walker, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, and Sean Latasur, I'm Richard Serrett. Thank you for your ears and your voices, your beautiful voices. Until September 30th. So long for now.